Hi, my name is Victor, and welcome to the Spring Break edition of the USC Christian Challenge podcast. It is so valuable to engage fully with the Bible, but if we're being honest, it's really, really hard to be consistently deep in it. We tend to struggle with various habits of studying, memorizing, and meditating on Scripture. Well, today, David Clark, Director of Christian Challenge at Chico State University, helps us move toward a deeper delight in the Word of God and explores how we can develop a sustainable lifestyle of Bible intake. Uh, My name is David, and I am the Director at Challenge in Chico, California, and I'm really excited that you're here. So thanks for for choosing this, to be a part of this with me. Uh, I think this is valuable, extremely valuable for our life, for us to, to be thinking about this. I titled it Reviving the Soul, and I'll get into why in a second, but it's like, if, if that's what we're talking about, reviving the soul, our soul going from death to life, that's significant. Uh, and so, and I think the word has a big, uh, has a big part of the way that we live and the condition of our hearts and our nearness to God. And so we're just going to jump into this stuff. And so, uh, so yeah, just to follow along. And then maybe at the end we can ask some questions if I, if I don't go extremely long with these six pages that you have in front of you. So we shall see. But uh, first, uh, I've got this verse at the very top from Colossians 3.16. says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's an excerpt from Colossians 3.16. But I liked it as I was preparing for this because it uh, it just has some great words used to describe this process. It says, "Let let let the word of Christ do its do its work." And so, in some way, while we do put in our effort to get into God's word, right? We need to our, our what we're trying to do is allow it to do its powerful work in our heart. And so you got to let it happen. And so to do so, you need to actually, you know, put it in your life in some way, right? It says, let the word of Christ dwell, dwell in you richly, right? And so, okay, it dwells in you. It's, it's within you. It's, you need to make the word a part of you. And so that's another part of, of Paul's exhortation in Colossians. And then thirdly, he says, let it dwell in you, how? Richly, richly abundantly, right? To the full, to the max, right? Jesus says, John 10, 10, I can that they may have life and have it abundantly. And part of that abundant life is our life in the word. And so I want to start by just building our general perspective about God's word. And we'll get into some other kind of uh, what, why, how stuff regarding these various methods of intake of God's word. And so first, I've just got some quotes here. First is by this guy named Donald Whitney. who wrote a great book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And the first discipline that he talks about is getting into God's word. And he says, it's written on your paper, no spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's word. Nothing can substitute for it. There simply is no healthy Christian life apart from a diet of the milk and meat of scripture. So I don't even need to say this. Don, Donald, Donald Lawrence said it. Uh, this is so 
like necessary. There's no healthy Christian life apart from that. Uh, and then in another, in an article that I read in preparation, this guy, George Guthrie says, the Bible serves as the foundation for understanding who we are and what we should be doing in this world, who we are and what we should be doing in this world. Like our identity is, is a part of this. That's significant. If, if you're a Christian, then you're, you, you find your identity in Christ. And you do so as you come to understand him in his word, illuminated through the word, through the scriptures, right? And then another quote here, John Piper says, if we would be changed into Christ-likeness, we must steadily see him, steadily see God. This happens in the word. This happens in the word. And in Psalm 27, verse 4, it says, uh, the psalmist says, One thing have I asked of the Lord, and that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And so we just gaze upon him. And part of that is our time seeing him, gazing upon him as he's revealed to us in Scripture. And so those are just some things. And then one more kind of element as a part of introduction is to read this passage I have here, Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. And uh, let me just read that and let, it, let this sink in, this, this idea, the significance of what is being said. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the, world, the, the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord, a response, is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. It's talking about oneself. I'm warned by this. And in keeping them, in keeping his commands, and abiding in the word, there is great reward. And so, briefly here, I want to analyze some elements of this. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. So that's, that's what I wanted to title this, because this is our life. This is our livelihood as as followers of Christ. And another quote from John Piper that, at least I think I have it here. It says, uh, the truth of God rising continually through the roots of faith planted in God's word is the way God keeps Christians alive, spiritually alive, and enables them to bear the faith authenticating fruit of love so that they will not be castaways in the last day. This is like classically convoluted Piper. So sorry about that. But... This is like, in the same article that I pulled this from, he, he, John Piper refers to the Bible as the only must-read. Why is it a must-read? Because if you're going to be Christian, you must read this thing. It is your life. It is, it is the thing that revives your soul as a, as a follower of Jesus. Next, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. We, we learn. We are made wise by the scriptures. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 
It says that scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, training in righteousness. So we, we, are, we are taught by the word. This is good. There's an intellectual component of this as well. And then next, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And so we find joy in this. Now, there might be a variety of uh, feelings about this, even represented in this room, because not every time that I've opened the Bible has it brought in this rush of joy necessarily. But as I cultivate an attitude of rejoicing in the word, uh, then, then I, I find reward from that. And I've really been able to try and work on that in my life, even though it's, it's cultivating, it's slow. It takes time. It takes effort sometimes to really be able to, to grab hold of that. And so, uh, and then finally, the, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So we have perspective from this. So it's, it enlightens the eyes. It illuminates the world around us because there's a lot of confusion. And the word illuminates our eyes to help us understand what, what, what we're looking at. And so there's an illustration that you may or may not be aware of that I think is just a handy way for us to, uh, there's a, there might be a pun in what I just said there, a handy way for us to understand uh, the different ways of intaking God's work. And so it's called the hand illustration. There's, there's the joke. And so uh, basically, I don't know how you want to do this. At first, I was thinking, oh, I'll just have everybody like draw it on their hands. And I tried doing this at home, and it didn't work. It doesn't, it's, it's too oily. I don't know what's going on. Basically, so if you want to either, one thing you can do, if you really want to, to you know, commit to this, is find the most blank page, which is not very many of them, and, and put your hand on there. Okay, but the point is, we, we, have, we got four fingers and a thumb. And so even if we just want to draw a little, draw a little hand somewhere, somewhere on the page, you should have some sort of uh, maybe space right in that little pocket there for one of these, for one of these suckers. And so as you go through that, we kind of know what we're looking for. Just making, we're making a hand, four fingers and a thumb. If you need reference, you got two, hopefully, probably. Uh, We kind of getting there. There it is. There's a hand. That's nice. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. That's that's kind of all we need. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Was this beer? That was it. Was this beer? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Okay. Okay. If you're not done, just kind of figure it out. Uh, so I need you to be able to label. I need you to be able to label each of these fingers. And so the first of these, the pinky is here, H-E-A-R, here. Once again, these are the five forms of Bible intake. And so the pinky is here. And the next one, your ring finger is read, R-E-A-D. And so you can write in read somewhere, either, either within the illustration or label it in some other fashion. Kind of getting there. Next, the middle finger is study. Study. And then the index finger is memorize. 
memorize? Who here has like heard of this before? Okay, this is kind of half maybe. Yeah. Okay, all right, cool. Well, that's good to hear that I'm not totally just repeating stuff you already know. Okay, thumb is meditate, meditate. So those five in order, hear, read, study, memorize, meditate. And then I'm gonna have you um, in the palm area to put apply, to put apply. Okay, as you're doing that, I'm going to request a, a raise of a hand for a volunteer. Do you have any people who'd like to, uh, uh, let's get Jonathan. And so there's a little, does anybody know where I'm going with this? Just curious. Come up here, Jonathan. I got one, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't ruin it, you know? So, so basically, you can just stand here, that's great. And so uh, this is Jonathan. Yeah. And so uh, basically, he's, John's gonna illustrate for us the value of incorporating um, various different sources of Babylon tape. And so I've got specifically um, my ESV study Bible with Classic. me that, uh, that I got, that I have at home. These are apparently $50 at the bookstore over there. So this is, so if you drop this, no, I'm just kidding. I don't think it's, it's not that big of a deal. But, and so what happened, I'm so curious. I'm just going to see what happens. So if you just go to church on Sunday and, you know, have your, your, your pinky, you got your hair going on, like, is this going to work? I, I'm, I'm, I'm so curious, you know? And so, <laughs> is this? Yeah, no, I'm, trying get, I'm trying to get a steady position here. He's kind of got. I can't use not, my. I can't yeah, use yeah, don't no knuckle, no knuckle. No, that's impossible. I just can't it's do it. Okay, okay. I just can't do it. All right. All right, that's fine. So, okay, what if you, can you do like those two, like the the hear and the read, maybe? Give it a shot. Give it a shot. <laughs> the technique. The technique. Oh, okay, it's kind of good. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> oh. oh. All right, let's do let's do let's do the four fingers no thumb. Four fingers no thumb. How's this gonna work? Okay, we kind of got that. Let's yeah. see. Let's see if I kind of. Oh, wow, it's so steady. Yeah, it's not very. No, you triggered. It's all to me. Yeah. Okay. And so if you incorporate the thumb, the no. So you can you can you can grab it now. Okay. So now it's like I can. You know, I can do whatever I want. He's got the climbing hands. Yeah. See, he's he's not, he's not like me with that. So, and then uh, and you know, the palm kind of connects all the things That's together. Right. So I have the palm. Kind of, the palm yeah. They kind of need that. Yeah. So uh, no, that makes sense. So uh, that, in fact, just do that. Demonstrate one more time for me. Grasping, if you will, uh, the word on this level. That's what it means to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's like you're incorporating these five different components plus application in in your life and it's and it's steady it's secure it's not going anywhere whereas having just a, some sort of strange mixture or cocktail of one or two uh yeah probably isn't isn't gonna work so well so anyway that, that's all thank you very much for bearing with me very nice so uh what's my time here i want to talk about like each one of those components all right and uh, we're going to see what happens. We're going to talk about what they explore, what they are, 
why they're valuable, and how to do them effectively. And so, I mean, we just got we just got a lot to cover, guys. So we're just going to jump in. So first of all, is here, and so you, the paper should be helpful for this. Uh, so Romans ten seventeen says, so so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So I think for a lot of people, this is like this is step one, you know, of walking with God. Maybe you get invited to church, or you get invited to challenge. Somebody starts talking about the word, and you and you, and you hear it spoken. And you go to, you know, you come to Hume Lake and you hear, you know, Chuck Madden rattle off like a lot of verses at once. And you're kind of like, wow, okay, this is the word. <laughs> there it is. Uh, and so you, you hear it, you know, it's happening to you in that way. And this has value. You know, we, there's a reason why, there's multiple reasons why we should go to church and engage in the community of those aspects. But also, you know, we can... Uh, we can, you know, listen to sermons online even, and also you can literally, like, listen to the Bible now, like, just through your headphones, whatever you want to do. And so there's different ways just on an auditory level for us to engage in the Word. And so, and also, I think it's helpful, too, to note that hearing other people uh, read and recite the Bible, so it's transformational just through the Word's unique power. This, like, this has, like, power, even if you're just kind of, if it's just kind of happening to you. And, uh, and hopefully it's kind of sinking in some way. But also, it can be so helpful to hear speakers, like, teach scripture. Because it, it, it's demonstrating for you kind of how, how to handle, handle scripture. And so, in 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, this is Paul talking to his disciple Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. He says, rightly handling the word of truth. There is a right way to handle it because we need to be mindful. This is not just any other book. And so there's a way of rightly handling the word of truth from 2 Timothy 2.15. And so it's good to learn then, yeah, by hearing from these examples how to handle the word of truth so that, so that we can do that. And so that leads us to another reality here, though. You need to start handling yourself. You need to handle it through the other sources of Bible intake. Because if it's just coming in through that pinky, once again, it's like, ooh, you know, not even, not even uh, climbing hands, Jonathan can, uh, you know, uh, can hold that. And so that's why we have to move on to the other things. But the here, it has value, it's important, but it is one of multiple ways that we get into the word. So that was the easy one, okay? So <laughs> next up is read. So we read God's word. And this is specifically where I want to just get into the idea of a quiet time, which is probably like a phrase you're familiar with. Uh, in fact, yeah, it's like if you've heard, if you're familiar with the term quiet time or time alone with God or daily devotional, like just raise your hand. Like if you know what I'm talking about, I want to say that, you know, so practically all of us. Right. So, but I also don't want to assume too much. Uh, and I also want to maybe just sort of like kind of shake things up and like kind of give you some, things that you maybe hadn't thought about uh, in terms of perspective and methods of how, how to do that. And so as far as reading for the sake of a quiet time, the first thing I want to emphasize is the way we prepare for that. That's been, as I've, you know, gone through the Christian life, the preparation phase of a quiet time has actually become like increasingly important to me. And I have certainly... I, have, I haven't been doing that or engaging with in a preparatory way 
the whole time I've been doing like quiet times or attempting them, right? And so, and so this is this is valuable because because of what Hebrews four verse twelve says: for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So this, this book is powerful. And so prepare yourself to, to dive into it, to experience it. And, and then in, in doing so, expect God to change you through it. And so as we get into preparing, one part of this uh, article, How to Read and Study the Bible, he says, as you begin your Bible reading, ask God, ask God through prayer for a receptive and disciplined heart. Ask him to speak to you through the word and use the passages you read as providing you with thoughts and words you can use as you pray to God. And so asking God, you need to ask. James 4, 2, you do not have because you do not ask God, right? And so, you know, do you sometimes wonder why you don't like get something out of your quiet time? And I think for me, in my life, in my experiences, a lot of the time, it's because I wasn't like asking God to do that. To, to reveal something to me, to, to make a change in my heart as a result of engaging with his word. And so, and, and two, it's, we need to persist in prayer, patiently waiting for God to answer prayer. Psalm 130 verse six says, I wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. No, my, my little record player inside didn't skip a beat. He repeats it. <laughs> In the verse, more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. I, I'm not a watchman. I don't entirely know what that is. I think it means a lot. <laughs> I wait for the Lord a lot, significantly more than more than these people who are trying to what guard a city and patiently keep people safe. And, and he emphasizes this by saying it twice. And, and I find that interesting. Well, anyway, we got to wait for God as we as we ask for him to, to work through his word uh, as we read. Reading God's word should also be a spirit-filled and spirit-led activity. And I guess if you're curious about that verse, Psalm 130, verse 6, if you wanted to know that. It should also be a spirit-filled and spirit-led activity. Uh, a quote that I like from David Platt, he says, that the spirit inspired the word, the spirit illuminates the word, and the spirit instructs us in the word inspired it through the authors. He illuminates the word, just making it clear to us, helps us to understand it, and then also instructs us, like teaches us, like here's what you should do with this. But we need to be, we need to be filled with the spirit for that. And so sometimes you need to like come into your time with God and say, hey, all right, I need you to fill me and please, please give me some of your, your truth today. Another helpful tool, this is probably like, kind of my new favorite little thing that I do with my quiet times is IOUS. And John Piper, uh, he, he wrote about this at some point and, and I found it recently and I like it a lot. And so it's basically based on these, these four Psalms that are just like good prayers 
to take before God as a way of preparing yourself for reading his word. And so the first of these, this is, we got some blanks here. You, by the way, we've got several different acronyms happening. If you're into acronyms, you know, I got them for you. You came to the right workshop, really. Um, they're here. And so uh, get stoked for that. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> the first of these is to incline my heart to your testimonies. And this is from Psalm 119, verse 36. Incline my heart to your testimonies. God, my heart, my human inclination does not tend to naturally draw me to your word. This is, on a human level, I find this confusing and maybe even, you know, dull. But, but Father, please incline me to, incline my heart to your testimonies. And the O of IUS, open my eyes to see wonders in your word. Open my eyes to see wonders in your word. Also from Psalm 119. And so, you know, I am naturally just blinded. In fact, this is something that Chuck mentioned, like Ian, at least Tuesday night. Like he, I think he made this exact mention of asking God to open our eyes. So he already told you about this. So I guess I don't need to, but yes, (laughs) we need to ask God for open eyes to clearly see on a perspective level. Um, things in his word. And then the you, unite my heart to fear your name. Psalm 86, 11. Unite my heart to fear your name. You know, my heart. It gets it, it goes in all different directions. I'm feeling one way, and I'm worrying about this thing, and, and my fear of the Lord, my, my attention to the Lord might be kind of scattered naturally. But if I if I come into my time with, with him and his word, then, then I can ask him to to unite my heart, to, to be present, and to, to really be ready to receive these things from him. And then the S, satisfy me with your steadfast love. Psalm 90, verse 14. All four of these would be very good verses to memorize, by the way. Uh, satisfy me with your steadfast love. We, we are seeking some form of joy from the scripture because it says that it's, it rejoices the heart, right? And so we can experience that kind of joy and we should probably ask for it though. Satisfy me with your steadfast love. And so I've got, I've got some other uh, things that I've said over the years. I probably just need to keep going though. <laughs> and so, uh, but that, those are some of the helpful tools for me as far as preparation goes. And then I just wanted to share some of the, uh, George Mueller's thoughts on the value of a quiet time. George Mueller was the leader of an orphanage uh, in Bristol, England, I believe. I don't have it written down here. That's just off. I think I'm getting that right. And so uh, he had a whole orphanage to take care of. And, but it was, it has value for him as we see in these, these quotes that I've provided. He says in his autobiography, as my heart is nourished by the truth of the word, I am brought into true fellowship with God, nourished. So he's tapping into, he knows I need this. I'm going to be malnourished if I don't, if I don't put my attention to this. I, I need to be brought into true fellowship with God by being nourished by the truth of the word. And then he goes on to say that my primary business I must attend every day is to fellowship with the Lord. George Mueller was probably busier than you. <laughs> you know, a bunch of orphan kids running around the place. It's crazy. And a lot of things happening, a lot of things going wrong. 
but he trusted God. And his primary business every day was fellowship with the Lord in his word. And then uh, moving on, John Piper says, God has designed us to see him and know him and love him and be changed by him into images of him. And this transaction of glory happens only, happens through daily sightings of God in his word. Daily sightings of God in his word. And so this trans- the transformation that we want to experience, it comes from beholding God in his word. It's like I was saying earlier, seeing him gazing upon the beauty of the Lord, right? And so I want to highlight uh, what for some of us might be uh, a pretty well-known acronym that is uh, helpful for me. It is still the primary kind of means that I kind of take myself through a, a quiet time. Not in a, in a disciplinary way, yes, but not in a, a so rigid way that it is stifling my, my creativity or just my attention to God as, as a person, as a, my, a relationship in my life. But S-O-A-P first stands for scripture. Yes? Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> Very good. So what this looks like is to have... Maybe you have a reading plan that you're going through and you open up and you, I'm going to read this particular chapter. Oh shoot. Song of Solomon. Yikes. Um, maybe, so maybe, you know, maybe don't just like, bloop, you know, do that. Cause yeah, you might get some of that, but um, you know, there are some, I'm not going to get into exactly deciding what to read, but somebody, I mean, I could, I'd love to talk to you about that later or a mentor or a staff member could certainly point you in the right direction. But if you, Read a chapter. And, and mornings I'll read a chapter. And I'm going to pick out a verse or maybe a couple verses that stands out to me. Usually I use my, my little tablet here. I'm, go, I'm reading through the word and I, I highlighted it there. And then I just kind of save it for later. Okay, I highlighted it. I'm keeping reading it. But that, that thing, that, that one verse really stood out to me, that word. So I kind of picked it out. And then if I've, if I've got multiple of those, next, time, next thing i got to do is observe. So observation. Observation, scripture, then observation. And so the simple thing here is, okay, what do you see? Once I've kind of picked out my, my scripture, all right, here is my, my focus that I'm focusing on for my quiet time this morning. Now, what do I observe about it? What am I seeing? Um, because there's kind of these things happening. There's these characters. There's a lot of ways you can break this apart that I'm not going to get into, but we got to observe and look around. Okay, what do I see here, you know, morally? Ethically, but also, like, what do I see about God, his character? It's all different stuff that we can use to pick this apart. Next is application. Application. So what are you going to do about this? Uh, I have a whole section later devoted to apply. So I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. But scripture, observation, application. And then prayer is the soap, is the P of the soap. Prayer. And so I, I, I end my time by, by taking it to God. So God help me with my application. Thank you for revealing these things to me. And so then now our quiet times. So this is in the read section. This is all like that I've mentioned about quiet times. Now it can go beyond just reading. And so the next realm is, is studying. And so that's the middle finger of our illustration of the hand. And so we can study God's word and we can even do so in the context of a quiet time. The, there's, there's no rules here, guys, really, you know, but it's like the important thing is that you're getting in the word and by reading it and by hearing it, 
both. It's very helpful. But we can study it by 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 doing what, what I'm going to get into here. Ezra seven ten says, "For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. He had set his heart to it. This purpose, this drive, this conviction, and setting your heart to something. He had set his heart to do that, knowing that he had to lead these people. And so, according, I'm, I'm jumping around some." Uh, uh, quotes, by the way, look out for that. But Rick Warren says that you cannot study the Bible without writing something down. That's the difference between Bible reading and Bible study. So yeah, you know what I mean? Like Piper, he's got all convoluted. But Rick Warren, you know, he's going to keep it nice and simple. All right, here's the difference, guys. This is it. Write something down. <laughs> That's what Bible study is. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Rick. <laughs> it's helpful. <laughs> and so... Uh, uh, but I love them all. Okay, <laughs> both those guys. Anyways, um, gotta write something down. And so this is that's simply the difference between going from reading the word to studying the word. You're writing things down. And so for me, generally, when I am doing a soap, it's sort of like, okay, I'm gonna write down my observations and my application and things, right? And so I have two quotes here that get at the value of Bible study. Uh, first, Jerry Bridges says that reading gives us breadth. Right? We get to read a lot of different things at once, but study gives us depth. And so maybe you do pick out a particular verse from, from your reading, and then you want to just like dive into it. And as you observe it and apply it and just kind of pick it apart a bit and lay out all the pieces on the table, then you're, you're, you're going deeper, going deeper into God's word. And, and this is especially an especially powerful word from Charles Spurgeon. He says, no man who merely skims the book of God can profit thereby. We must dig and mine until we obtain the hid treasure. The door of the word only opens to the key of diligence. And so it's pretty clear studying the word can be hard work. And we tend not to associate hard work with, with joy you know, or abounding in, in things. But this is something... We can still experience, we can experience joy even as we study the word and digging in it and, and uh, really just doing so with a heart that longs to know God deeper. You know, ultimately, if you keep those truths from, from Psalm 19 at the forefront, I want to know God. I want to experience the life of knowing him through his word, of seeing him and gazing upon his beauty. Psalm 27. Uh, we, we need to cultivate this heart that longs to know God deeper, we're going to study it even if it's, it's, it's challenging, it's difficult to do right now. So how do we do this? Uh, once again, Rick Warren, just keeping it simple for us. The secret of dynamic Bible study is knowing how to ask the right kind of questions. And so he has, he has a whole book. It's written right there, Rick Warren's Bible Study Methods. You could underline that if you want and then go get that book later. And basically he lines out all these different Bible study methods. All, he, he's pretty clear. All that the book is, is different like types of questions you can ask to get to the heart of a passage of, of, of scripture. You know? And so we're just asking questions. And so an example that I wanted to, to point out for you that has been with me a long time, mostly because it is such an obscure um, name. I just love it so much. Space pets. You read that on the thing. Space pets. What? It's just a little, little cat, little dog just up in space, you know, with a little astronaut suit on, you know? 
uh, it, that image really has stuck with me for a very long time. Uh, and, and what that is, is its own, I don't have you, uh, you know, filling in this acronym because my goodness, that's just too many, that's just too many words. But this is an example of, you could, you could take a passage of scripture. In fact, sometimes uh, some life group leaders from, from Challenge and Chico, you know, one thing I'll have them do as they're preparing to lead the Bible study is to walk through this, this Space Pets acronym. And so as you read a passage, you finish it, okay, you, you review it. Okay, is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to claim? Attitude to change? Command to obey? Example to follow? Prayer to pray? Error to avoid? Truth to believe? Or is there something to praise God for? If anything is a part of that passage, you can write that down. And you, you're, you're studying and you're getting deeper. There's all sorts of things that you can do to kind of continue to, to, uh, to branch out here, you know? And so there's, like I said, there's so many other methods here. Uh, and that includes, by the way, like the SOAP method, like I mentioned. It's just like you can write studying type of insights down for your quiet time even, right? And so, and you can write your responses. And so I, one thing that I think is helpful here is to understand that there's, there's two different kinds of Bible study. When I say study, that, that middle finger there, I'm talking about kind of two different things at once. On one hand, I'm talking about devotional study. So for the sake of meeting with God, so that's like my daily quiet time. I'm studying it because I'm writing stuff down. Okay, and I'm studying it for you know a brief enough period of time to make this sustainable for my life. Devotional study. And then on the other hand, I have there's in-depth study. In-depth study over here. And that's for the sake of digging up biblical wisdom for your life. And I encourage you to do that regularly, but I wouldn't necessarily expect you to do that like every single day. So that's, I, would, I think it's valuable to differentiate devotional study and in-depth study as two different ways to kind of engage on a studying level. And of course, you can encounter valuable nuggets of wisdom through time meeting with God and fellowship with God through devotional study. And of course, when you're having in-depth study, you can encounter God in, in a relational way through that too. But they serve just different purposes as far as what you're trying to accomplish on a day-to-day -day level. That makes sense to me. So that's... That's study. Moving on. Memorize. We're uh, we're chucking along here. That's three out of five of those, those, those fingers. And so memorize. This is this is an interesting area, especially before I got involved in challenge as a student. I was like, yeah, I, I memorized verses for Awanas and for uh, you know kids stuff. And then there was this huge like you know wilderness of junior high and high school, right in. And, and freshman year of college, where memorizing scripture was like not, it wasn't even on the back burner. It was just like somewhere else. Like it didn't just, it wasn't a thing in my life, you know? And then I got to challenge. I'm like, wait a second, like people are like memorizing verses around here. That's, that's so strange. <laughs> and so I realized like, man, this can be a really valuable thing. And of course, you know, you got people like Chuck going like, hey, <laughs> you need to memorize, you know, three verses a week. You know, I don't know. You can get into kind of what a good quota is, but uh, yes, there's a really potent culture of this stuff that I think is really practical, really valuable to your life. And I want to get into that. So Dallas Willard, he says that Bible memorization is, is absolutely fundamental to spiritual formation. If I had to choose between all the, of the disciplines of the spiritual life, I would choose Bible memorization because it is a fundamental way of filling your minds with what it needs. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. That's from Joshua 1.8. Uh, 
That's where you need it, your mouth, right? How does it get in your mouth? Memorization. So you fill your mind with that. This shall not depart out of your mouth. Uh, you, can, you can say it because it's memorized, because it's up here. And so um, for the only, the only acronym I have for you tonight that I actually came up with is this silly thing. Um, it spells pasta. Uh, it is a, a word. That was my only plan with making this, this uh, acronym. It's like, it is a word in English and Italian also. So, uh, so the first of these, I mean, I, I got to get through these, but protection against temptation is your first blank there for that section. Protection against temptation. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart. It's in there. Why? That I might not sin against you. Right? The Bible has a lot to say about obedience and how we combat sin. And so, and actually, I want to pause for a second. Think about some common things that, that you struggle with as a, as a follower of Christ. And, you know, if you're bold, you can, like, write these things down. And you should look up what the Bible has to say about them and then memorize verses. Like, what is, what are you, what's a sin that you're struggling with? I'm not asking you right now. Just, just think about these things. What, what's, like, really dogging you? And it's just, like, this is really hard for me to, to get a hold of and to, to keep from happening anymore. So maybe it's, like, patterns of speech or relating to other people or your thought life, or maybe it's pride welling up in your heart, or a lack of motivation, or laziness, or difficulty trusting God. There's, all, there's a host of different things we can struggle with. And if we're tempted in a particular moment, and if we're armed with the protection of God's word in our hearts, then, then we are much more equipped to go into our life, into our day, uh, ready to, to deal with those things to be protected against temptation. A, ammunition for the Holy Spirit. That's the next one. Ammunition for the Holy Spirit. And so this is sort of the the, the other side of the coin, uh, the offensive element of this. Ephesians 6, 17 says, put on the salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of Spirit, which is the word of God. So when you've memorized scripture, you, you equip yourself with weapons to fill the, the armory of your mind. And so the Holy Spirit then can access that armory to bring scripture to your mind at the right time. And he can do that for protection's sake against temptation, but he can also do that. I have seen him work, do that in incredible ways when I need to encourage a friend or correct somebody and say, hey, the Bible says this. And, and I know that because I memorized this and, and he, he brings that to mind. But it's harder for him to do that when I don't have the word memorized. And so, I mean, even for me, Romans 6, 23, it's like that, that verse, you know, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I've drawn out a lot of religious illustrations with that verse in mind, putting us over, over there with the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord in the middle, making us giving us a way to God. And so I, could, I just have that. And so I can draw out a bridge illustration and show them from the word, this is true, uh, just off the top of my head. And, and you can too, if you memorize Romans 6.23. And there's all kinds of other applications of this. Uh, the next one, S, is spiritual dominion in the heart. Spiritual dominion in the heart. Okay, I have some uh, participation 
audience participation here. What's like a movie that you quote like way too much? What's that movie? Lord of the Rings. Princess Bride. Just shout it. Good Will Hunt. Good Will Hunt? Oh. What are you quoting from Good Will Hunt? How about Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, are you going with like the, like, it's not your fault. <laughs> uh, sorry, okay, what? Mean Girls. Okay, yeah. Any others? Endgame. Interesting. Any? Rush Hour. Rush Hour. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Black Panther. Yeah, there you go. Yes, yes. Okay, there's a few examples. Uh, for me, in my life, you know, Nacho Libre uh, is, uh, is, you know, that, there's a couple of ones there. But anyways, we filled, why, why do we know that? Why do I know, uh, hey, save me a piece of that corn for Nacho Libre? It's because I've watched Nacho Libre enough times to understand, you know, uh, look at my blouse or something like that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the, the more obscure, the better for me. Uh, so uh, I, I've watched this thing. I've filled my mind with this, okay? And so we're, like every day, as you are going to school or watching movies or watching television or reading books, you are filling your mind with something, right? And, and David's not over here condemning uh, movies, but you might see what I'm getting at. You've filled your mind with certain quotes, with certain movies, in a way that might uh, overshadow your uh, your memorization of scripture, <laughs> right? And so I've got these things memorized because it's just like I've just digested it enough. But if I would sit down and read the word, maybe that would be a better thing to fill my mind with, yes? And so Matthew 12, 34, this is going to come off a little strong here. He says, you brood of vipers. This is Jesus talking. How can you speak good when you are evil? For, this is the key, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you fill your heart with, in some way, that's what's going to come out. And there's a battle inside you between, between two entities, the spirit and the flesh. And no matter where you are in your walk with God, like this is something that's going to be continued to happen for the rest of your life. And so which of those things, the spirit of the flesh, has greater dominion in your heart like right now? Memorizing scripture fills your mind with the things of God. It helps your heart to abundantly overflow with scripture instead of, you know, whatever, Mean Girls quotes <laughs> or 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 perhaps worse things, yes, that we can fill our minds with. And so uh, I encourage you to give, give God and his word greater dominion in your heart uh, by memorizing the word. And then the T, T is truth for bold speech. Truth for bold speech. I see, for, I don't know about you, I have a lot of opinions all just kind of bouncing around just in my head, in my heart. And you probably do too, right? I have a lot of opinions, especially when you grow up in church. You just hear a lot of things. And some of it's from the Bible. And some of it's just people just saying stuff and their own opinion, right? But 
Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Proverbs 18.2. And so, when you're talking to people, and you're going about your life and offering insight, the best thing you can do is offer scripture instead of your own ideas. And so, this is true for me, where I, I feel like I have a lot to offer here, and I got my opinions about what people should or shouldn't do, but, but ultimately, the, the foundation I need to stand on for myself and for others, uh, is, is the word. 1 Corinthians 2.2 2 says, this is Paul talking, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. His foundation for his, his conversing with these Corinthians was simply, hey, like the, the thing I'm about here is Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm not tr- trying to inject my own uh, will or ideas or opinions here. And you can have opinions. And this is okay. This is fine. But especially don't offer them on, on the same plane as the Bible. You know, we need to understand that scripture has a much higher priority than just your ideas, your experiences in terms of offering truth. And then that, that when I memorize scripture, I can speak much more boldly too about, about things. We can speak boldly when we speak God's truth because we know it's true. Right? Okay. Continuing. The last one, pasta, is uh, the last A is access to God's presence. Access to God's presence. And so Psalm 16, verse 11 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The word, it, it brings us close to God. His presence is amplified as we engage with his living and active scriptures. And so by memorizing scripture, we can experience him in that way, wherever we are. I feel like I have a lot more to say about that, but I really need to keep going. So I have, man, when it comes to managing scripture memory, like systems, I, I could, I could have taken a whole hour to do that. I, I love it for some reason. It's like weird. Um, I got my little spreadsheet, you know. There's a lot of, that goes into that. I'm not going to like bore you with that. If you're interested in that, you should you should talk to me after. But uh, here's my simple idea of how do we memorize? How do we memorize on a practical level? First, you need to pick a system. I have, I have three steps here that are not in the blank, so you can just write this if you'd like. Uh, pick a system. And so I know there's various systems people use to do this. Um, I personally have a bunch of these little cards, and maybe some of the other people in this room do too, but maybe you got a little pack, and there's these cards that um, it's, it's uh, hanging by, th- by several threads, but uh, it's hanging in there. Uh, you need to pick a system. And so some people, I know a lot of students, they use an app on their phone, and so uh, there's different ways you can, you know, systems you can use, but you got to pick one. And then you got to plan the system. That's the number two. Plan the system. And so, okay, well, now you pick your system. That's great. How many verses a week are you going to memorize? Or do you have like a list of verses to pull from, like Chuck was talking about? Or how are you going to conduct like reviewing these verses? Like what expectations are you setting for yourself? There's some questions you should probably answer as you're planning out. Okay, this is, this is what I want to do. Because, and which is why I like to be very detailed and nitty gritty with my, I'm a details person, but... I like to be detailed with these things so there's no ambiguity as to 
like what I'm trying to do, what I'm trying to accomplish, my goals in scripture memory. And then number three, persevere in the system. Persevere in the system. First, we pick a system, then we plan the system, and then we persevere in the system. We got to do this for the rest of our life. <laughs> and we want to be getting to the, where, where Chuck is at, you know, or where a lot of guys, you know, Neil, et cetera, and they, they continue to memorize God's word and somehow remember the ones from, from that they memorized when they were in college. And so how do they do that? Well, they review it. There's all these different things that go into persevering in these things. And so commit to doing this for the long haul. Set up accountability. Uh, continually refill with vision for why this is valuable, why this is important. And so, and like I said, like if you're curious about more of this stuff, you know, let's let's talk. This would be great. But I need to continue to the fifth thing. The thumb is meditate. This one's kind of shrouded in the mystery, but there's some there's two passages that I've listed here that clearly talk about the value of meditating on God's word day and night. They both say that. Meditate day and night. I'm not going to read them right now, but there is there is prosperity and success and delight and fruit that come from, from meditating God's word. So, and, and so what's that mean, basically? What is that? What is memor- uh, uh, meditation? And how do we engage in it? And so, there's a couple um, um, quotes I have that kind of help, have helped me personally to understand what this means. To meditate, George Guthrie says, means to mentally chew on what we are reading, to think about what the passage means, as well as its implications for belief and practice. And then Spurgeon says that hearing, reading, marking, and learning all require inwardly digesting. That's a way we can think of, of meditation, inwardly digesting to complete their usefulness. And the inward digesting of the truth lies for the most part in meditating upon it. And so he's here, Spurgeon implies that the other forms of Bible intake, those four fingers that we mentioned, they are complemented by meditation. And so we can, we can apply meditation to these things. If I memorize a verse, I can meditate on it wherever I am. And I can, I, as I read and study, I can meditate on these things. Um, you know, especially, yeah, I encourage you just like, as you are reading and studying for your, for, for your quiet time, you know, you can just sit down and think upon, think deeply on the truth that God is trying to tell you through his word. Uh, some, some practical ways of thinking about this. You can kind of repeat the verse to yourself. You can emphasize different words. You can maybe even take a hold of a couple of key words that are meaningful to you. For me, I'm like a word guy. And so there's certain words that like stand out to me, maybe from the text. I'm like, well, that's interesting. And so I just chew on it and maybe write down some of my responses to that. And so uh, I'm going to go down to that Bonhoeffer quote. He says, just as you do not analyze the words of someone you love, but accept them as they have said to you, accept the word of scripture and ponder it in your heart as Mary did. That is all. <laughs> that is meditation. So we, we ponder these things. On, on an emotional level, the, the words of someone you love, right? This is something, this is not just an intellectual exercise. It's something that we're trying to be stirred inwardly about. So we want to chew on it on, on a somewhat emotional level. And so there's more to be said there, but that's the basis of understanding meditation. And then finally, we need to apply. Apply. James one twenty two 
says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Do you want to be deceived? Yeah, no, doesn't want to be deceived. You guys want to be deceived? No, no, okay. If your Bible intake stops before application, you are actively participating in self-deception. It's kind of what James is talking about. And then, uh, and so we need to make applications. And there's a, hand, I have finally here have a handy uh, acronym for this as well, which I did not make, but has some helpful ideas for us. So we need to make smart applications. S-M-A-R-T, starting with S, specific. Want to be specific. You see, being ambiguous about your application is probably not going to lead to much of a result, you know? And so for a lot of people, you read a passage about love. It's like, I got to love people more. That's my application. It's just like, like what, does that, what does that mean, you know? And so maybe you need to think of a person that you need to love Okay, how are we going to love them? You know, we need to be specific about these things because they're just going to get lost in the ambiguity of, of life uh, if you're not specific enough. Next is measurable. Measurable. First is specific. The M then is measurable. And so what this means to me is that it, numbers actually <laughs> can be really helpful. This helps. This has to do with the specificity. But, uh, you know, I will encourage X amount of people this week with things that I see in them. Here's an example. So you fill in the blank there in terms of like how many, but putting sticking a number in there, for me anyways, has been very helpful in creating measurable applications that I can look back a week later and say, hey, did that do that? Or did I, was I just fooling myself? Was I deceiving myself, right? Uh, the A, action-oriented. Action-oriented. And so what this means for when I'm trying to form an application, I always start, I always start a sentence of application with two words, I will, I will, because I will do something. I'm committing in some way to do something with this. I will encourage these people, I will. And so so we need to be action oriented with this. it's realistic. Realistic. Uh, this is, this makes sense, I guess. You know, if it's out of reach, you're not going to be very motivated to do it. So make it realistic. Okay, this is something that, you know, <laughs> big, big, crazy numbers, you know, maybe aren't you know, part of this. And so really make sure that this is something that you can follow through with. And then this has, a, uh, this kind of leads into the last one is timely. Timely. Specific, measurable, action-oriented, realistic, and timely. And so... For me, that's just, I'm going to do this today or this week or this month. Sometimes even it's like, okay, this, this like for the year, you know, maybe especially you start out the year. It's like, okay, I'm, I will for 2022, you know, get into the word uh, X amount of days uh, per week or whatever. You know, it's just like you might have some ideas for that, but uh, you also want to be realistic with that, you know, that time frame, right? So those are some simple uh, suggestions that I have about making applications, uh, smart applications. And so I've got a couple more quotes here. John Piper says, the task of application is never done. There are millions of ways a text can be applied and millions of situations and relationships for them to be applied. 
Our job is not to know every application, but to grow in applying the meaning of Scripture to our lives. We're just trying to grow here, guys. And so taking one step at a time to apply God's Word, to get it into our hearts and our lives and our hands, like our, 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 we're doing this thing. And finally, D.L. Moody says, the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. And so, once again, Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. My encouragement for you is Paul's. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And so I hope, I hope this has been helpful to you as you pursue that goal for a lifetime. That goal of letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I'd love to answer any questions that you have going on from here. Looks like we're about done. Uh, I'd love to just pray for us to end. Well, Father, thank you for the gift of knowing you. And thank you for the gift of a book that is that was inspired by you, that was breathed out by you, that, that is a means, a primary means of knowing, getting to know you and, and abiding in you and, and being in a relationship with you. So, Father, just we just thank you for this thing that you've given to us. And so I ask now that uh, you would just fill us, inspire us with, with perspective from, from your word, from, from what we've heard tonight, uh, to go forth and really want to pursue one thing or another, one, one part of intake or another. And Lord, just give us spiritual, supernatural diligence to do this with discipline and eagerness and, and joy in you and the joy of knowing you. So uh, we just thank you once again for this time. Thank you for uh, just the community around us too, to, to build us up in this and to encourage us toward letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Spring Break 2022 season of the USC Christian Challenge podcast. Catch up on and review the rest of the sessions right here on all of your favorite podcast platforms and leave us a review if you'd please. Get involved and find out more about us, weekly small groups, and upcoming events like this Spring Break Retreat on Instagram at USC Challenge and on our website, uscchristianchallenge.com.